It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you have your Bibles. Uh, we're kind of coming down to a close with the Shema, uh, which means uh, we're going to, we're not obviously done with our series, but we're at least kind of bringing this to a, uh, to a conclusion uh, as we're setting kind of the standard of, of what is the life that we're called to, uh, what is it supposed to look like. And uh, again, the reason I wanted to start with all this is to kind of lay the groundwork or a foundation so that we know what we have drifted from. And so hopefully in the next several sessions, we'll start diving into some of that. Uh, but been looking at the Shema of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, again, Deut- uh, Deuteronomy is the last uh, exhortation and message of Moses. Uh, they're on the edge of the promised land. Uh, Moses is about to die, as we find out at the end of the book of De- Deuteronomy. And so Moses stands up and gives this incredible uh, three-point sermon, if you will, uh, which is the book of Deuteronomy. So if you think our sermons are long, obviously... We're just following a tradition. Uh, but nonetheless, Moses in the very beginning of the book of Deuteronomy is casting a vision, a declaration of what the whole book keeps hinting at, which is this whole idea that, hey, God is your God and you are to love God with absolutely everything. And so again, I just want to start with reading the Shema of Deuteronomy chapter 6, just so it's in front of us, and then I want to walk through it again with you. Uh, so this is, this is what Moses writes. He says, here, or Shema, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Uh, Just for some quick review, uh, we've been talking about this idea of this exclusivity of devotion. That what Moses is calling us to is is not a half-hearted devotion. It's not a, well, hey, you should just come to church and you know, tip your hat to God and nod along and know, know when to stand and know when to sit and know the right phraseology, but go ahead and do whatever you want. Moses is talking about this overwhelming consumption of your life in one direction, which is God. In fact, he's really strong on this as you continue uh, down through the rest, of this, uh, rest of the chapter, but he's saying not only should you be reciting this on a constant basis, uh, you should always have this before you. This should be like before your the, the uh, on your forehead, on your arm, on your doorpost. You should talk about this when you stand and when you sit with your children. I mean, this this should be constantly in your focus. Why? Because we have such an odd propensity of forgetting things. And so Moses says, "Hey, would you remember the most important thing? Hey, would you just get obsessed with the most important thing? We just get crazy with one thing, with God Almighty." And so he says, hey, listen to this. And again, not just hear it in the sense of sound, but would you come under the authority of this? Hey, would you actually become obedient and do this very thing? Well, what am I called to do? Well, he starts off and says, well, you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And as we looked at this idea of heart, heart is not just your blood pumping organ. It's not even just your, you know, your emotions and your conscience. The Hebraic idea was that the heart was the mind, the will, the emotions, the desires, the intentions. That whole reality is a part of your heart. It's your inner self. It's the reality of who you are. And so Moses says, hey, would you love God with just the essence of your life, the very inner reality of your, of your being? Would you just go crazy and love God with, with all of it? And again, we haven't looked at the word all, but the word all in Hebrew, you know what the word means? 
That means all. <laughs> so the totality of your heart should be given un, unto the Lord. And it's not just your heart, but it's also the idea of your soul, which, as we were looking at last time, is, is not just your emotions and your, you know, your will and, and that kind of stuff that we've typically thought of the soul as, but it's the totality of who you are. So it is that inner life stuff of the heart, but it also includes your physical, which is still a little strange. I, I understand that. So as, as you're working through this, Moses says you're to love God with all of your heart, the very depth of your being, the very essence of who you are, that you're to love him with the totality of your life, so your physical and your internal. And then he comes to the third one in the passage, which is you're to love God with all of your might. Or some translations say with all of your strength. And again, I don't, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word might or the word strength, uh, but the modern conception of all this, right, is muscles. Uh, I go down to the gym. Why? I'm, I'm, I'm working on my strength training. I am building my might. It's my ability. It's my, my ugh, kind of stuff. And strangely, that's not what this is. <laughs> Which is, this whole Shema thing is driving me crazy. Because everything that I presume that the heart, the soul, and the strength was, is, it's not that. In fact, what the soul is, is really the heart, and what the strength is, is really your soul. And so it's like, I feel like Moses is getting all this, he's like one step behind, or one step ahead, however you want to, I guess, perspective is. So he talks about the inner life stuff with the heart, which includes your mind, right? A will, emotions, desires, all that stuff, which is what I've always called the soul. But the soul is that plus the physical, which includes the strength, muscle stuff. Like it's all, your whole physicality. It's your weaknesses. It's, so everything about your life is what the Hebrews would call the soul. So then what is the strength? Okay, so you ready for this? This is just fun. So the word might or the word strength in Hebrew is mahod. And the whole idea uh, of this, uh, this mahod and this is going to be a little weird. So grammar people, nerdy people, stay, keep your excitement, okay? Everyone else just hang tight for half a second. The word mahod, it shows up nearly 300 times in the Old Testament. And the way it's used in the Old Testament is that it's an adverb. So 90% of you have no idea what I'm talking about. And 10% of you have like this ho 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 going on in, in your faces. That's, that's good. At least someone's listening, right? The, the word, an adverb is a, is a descriptive thing, right? It gives, gives description to a verb, which makes this weird. So as an adverb, it can be translated like exceeding or much or very. So let me give you a couple of quick examples. <clears throat> the first time this word shows up, mahod, shows up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. And so, listen to this. It says, God saw all that he had made. This is the creation account. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was mahod good. Mahod tav. It was very good. It wasn't just good. It was very good. That's this word. Uh, maybe another example. In Genesis 17, God is establishing a covenant with, with Abraham, and he says, I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. That's this word. So it's a strange concept 
that Moses uses this and he goes, all right, you should love God, Mahod. And it's not a noun like strength or might would be, as we would typically think of it. He's grabbing an adverb saying you should love God exceedingly. You should love God very. You should love God muchly. And you're like, what on earth is that? But strangely, of the nearly 300 times this word shows up throughout the Old Testament, it's, again, it's an adverb. Two times in Scripture, it shows up as a noun. So it's, it's the adverb made into a noun. So as a noun, you could translate it might or force or an abundance. So one of the times it shows up, obviously, is our passage. And it is a noun in our passage, but it's an adverb turned into a noun. Is this making any sense? So in our passage, that's one of the two times it shows up. The other time it shows up is referring to King Josiah. And in, King, uh, in 2 Kings 23, verse 25, it's talking about King Josiah. And listen to what the writer of Kings says. He says, there was no king like him, speaking of Josiah, before or after, get this, who turned to the Lord with all of his heart and with all of his soul and with all of his might, according to the law of Moses, which is the quotation of the Shema. And so the writer of Kings says, all right, no one, no one was like King Josiah. Oh, why? Because he shemaed the Lord. That thing that Moses gave the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy, King Josiah actually did that with all of his being. He actually went after and pursued the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his, this word. Which then becomes complicated because that actually doesn't help us understand the word. <laughs> because it's, it's the same passage, just used in a different context. And so what on earth does this mean? So here, here's, here's the challenge of this. When you have an adverb turned into a noun, you can really come at it from two different perspectives. And scholars seem to be split in what this word means. So let me, let me give you the two possibilities of how it seems like the scholars are wrestling through this. One is this idea that the word might, this word mahod, means a resolve and a strong commitment. In other words, it's a muchness, exceedingness, it's an intensity. It's that kind of a concept. And so when we're talking about love the Lord your God with all of your might, it's the idea that you're to take your entire being and you're to pursue him greatly, that there's an intensity, that there is a soul devotion in this pursuit of, this, of, of our God, which makes sense. And so let me, let me just give you two quick uh, definitions or statements from some of the scholars. The ESV Study Bible in the notes says that might indicates energy and ability. In other words, it's like your resource. It's your, it's your strength. It's your ability kind of a concept. Uh, another scholar said this. He says, might, or the Hebrew mahod, literally means muchness, exceedingness, or intensity. And then he talks about that passage in 2 Kings 23-25, speaking about Josiah, saying that Josiah's turning with all of his might is described in the context of all of 2 Kings 23 as a single-minded endeavor to establish everything required by God's Torah and to eliminate everything forbidden by it. Mahod, then, is a, get this, a single-minded, love-inspired zeal and determination 
to realize the whole will of God. And so the scholar says, okay, well, how do we understand this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6? Well, if you look at the Josiah as an example, he literally sought the Lord with absolute everything. He pursued God with just this overwhelming intensity, and he had a single-minded, love-inspired zeal and determination to realize the full will of God. And if you want to come to that conclusion, I think that's legitimate. I actually think it's beautiful. But there is another perspective in this, and if you want my personal opinion, I think it involves both of these. But if you're going to force me to pick one, my guess is it's this next one. So not only is it this like resolve and this overwhelming commitment, it's this idea of your physical resources and possessions, which maybe sounds a little bizarre because when I think of strength or when I think of might, I don't think of what I own. I think of like, oh, muscles. But when you actually look at the context, it seems like what Moses is doing is giving an ever-increasing, expanding totality to what you have or who you are. So again, let me give you a couple quick quotes from scholars. Uh, one scholar said it this way. He said, the common rendering of this last expression, mahod, as strength follows the Septuagint, which reads dunamis, meaning power, though is rendered ichthus uh, in Mark 12, 30. But again, it flattens the nuanced reading of the Hebrew. This is one of only two places in the Old Testament, speaking of that Josiah passage of 2 Kings 23, where the word is used as a noun. Elsewhere, it always functions adverbally, meaning great or exceeding, although the Septuagint, by the way, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Septuagint interprets the word in a sense of strength. It should be understood in the sense of economic or social strength. An interpretation confirmed by the Aramaic Targums which render the word in terms of wealth. So in this context, the reference is to all of one, to, sorry, in this context, the reference is to all one possesses, that is, one's entire household. So the scholar is saying, when you look at the Aramaic concept, they use this word in other writings to speak of one's economic wealth. It's your household, it's your possessions. And so he says, it seems like because it's used in that same time frame in terms of wealth and in terms of resource, possession resource, that maybe that should be a better way of us understanding this. Uh, here's what another one said. He said, strength then is one's possessions to one's property, everything that is outside of oneself. So however you want to translate this word, I actually don't know if it matters a whole lot because the emphasis is still the same. Because when Moses is talking about this devotion to God, this ever-expanding devotion to God, or I, I gave you this concentric circles last time, remember this? And there's this idea in the Hebrew where there's all this overlaying. And there's, we don't have individual buckets that we put all this stuff in. We have this kind of overlap idea. So at the center of our concentric circle, we have the heart, right, the lev, that we talked about in the past, which is the the mind, the will, the emotions, desires, intentions, the, the very essence of who you are, the, the inner self kind of stuff, that inner person. And then expanding from that, we have the nefesh, which is the life, the totality of your life, which still includes the inner stuff, but also includes the physical reality of who you are. And it's that combination of the internal with the physical. But then you have this mahod idea, which is this, again, increasing expansion 
which I'm going to say is resources. It's, it's everything that you have. And I think in the context that makes the most sense, because it seems like what, what Moses is doing is he's giving this, the depth of who you are, the totality of who you are, and then everything that you have. So if I can summarize this, it's like Moses saying, it's all that you are and all that you have. And with all that you are and with all that you have, you are to love God with all of it. That you are to pursue him and have this aggressive, overwhelming devotion for him with the depth of your being, the totality of your being, and everything that you have should be given unto Jesus Christ. So does God get 10% of my money? No. Now, maybe you should, should give him 10% of your money, but the reality is he should have all of your money. And should you give 10% of the church? Probably. Should you give $50 to the preacher? Probably. But all of your money belongs to God. Well, how much time do I give God? Do I give God one day of my week as a Sabbath? No, what are you talking about? All of your time belongs to God. So should, should you take a Sabbath? Probably. Should you rest? Probably. But you've got to realize that all of your time belongs to God. So you start to realize, what about your muscle strength? Well, I, 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 will, I will give him my left bicep, but my right bicep is my own. What are you talking about? Your whole body belongs to him. You are a vessel for the king. So whether it's your inside stuff, your outside stuff, or what you have, what would it look like if you truly love God with everything? Which I actually I think is the reason I like the concentric circle idea, because the totality of all that you are and all that you have should be given un, unto Christ. So bring all that back in, into the Shema. And by the way, if you want to translate might as this resolve and this overwhelming commitment, that still makes sense in the context. Because the reality of what Moses is doing in the Shema is that everything of who you are should be given unto the Lord. Does, do you see that? That what we are called to as children of the Lord, as, as the people of God, is that your whole life belongs to him. So you are called to love God with absolute everything. That he should be the primary. He should be the focus. He should be the delight. He should be the throb of your heart. He should be what gets you up in the morning. He should just be the consumption of your very being. And that's what Moses is appealing to the Israelites. He's calling them to say, hey, would you have an overwhelming, exclusive devotion to your God? We have one God. Give him everything. Hey, don't, don't waste. Don't hold back. Don't just give him partial what if the totality was all of him, to him, for him? In fact, that is what Paul says in Romans eleven thirty six. 36. And if you want a great summary passage, I keep saying this because it's one of my favorites, but if you want a great summary passage for all of Christianity, I think Romans eleven thirty six 36 is a good possibility. If you want a great summary statement for your life or your marriage or your family or your job, Romans 11.36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things for his glory. See, what should your life be about? From him, through him, to him, for his glory. What should your marriage be about? From him, through him, to him, for his glory. What should your family be about? From him, through him, to him, for his glory. What should your job, your work, career supposed to be? From him, through him, to him, for his glory. What should your focus of the church be? From him, through him, to him, for his glory. See, this is all about him. And so Moses, back in Deuteronomy, is saying, would you give God everything? Would you give God your heart, the most inner part of who you are? Would you give God 
not just your blood pumping organ. Would you give him your emotions? Would you give him your will? Would you give him your mind? Would you give him your conscience? Would you, would you let him shape your entirety of your life, your soul? Would you give him the physical of your life, which includes the physical limitations of your life? So whether you have muscles or don't have muscles, will you give it to Jesus? Hey, whether you have a good mind or whether you don't have a good mind, will you give it to Jesus? Well, I've got a lot of talent. I have no talent. Either way, will you give it to Jesus? Would you submit yourself unto the re reality of Christ? If I, put it, if I may put this in a New Testament context. So that being said, if, if I could give a summary then, Moses says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, the inner person, which again is your mind, will, emotions, desires, and intentions. That you're to love the Lord your God with all of your soul, which is this idea of all of who you are, which is the whole life, the, the inner life and the physical. That you're to love God with all of your might, which is all that you have, all of your resource, which would be your talent, your ability, your possessions, your money, your, or wealth, your time. All of that stuff should be his. Is that true in your life? Do you fully belong to the Lord? Have you truly consecrated and given him everything? Saying, okay, do whatever, do, do whatever you want with this. That, that my resource is yours. My strength is yours. My time is yours. My energy is yours. My heart is yours. My, my, my body is yours. So Lord, spill and spin it as you please. Have you come to that place? If maybe if I can give a, an NRJ amplified version of Deuteronomy. In other words, this is my expanded amplified version of the Shema. Here's what it says. Shema, here, O Israel, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh alone. And you shall love Yahweh your God with a covenantal, voluntary, passionate love where you worship and become more like the one you love the most. And you're to love him with all of your inner person, your mind, your will, your emotions, desires, and intentions, with the whole of your life, all of that you are, and with everything that you have, your talent, ability, possessions, money, time, etc. Is that true in your life? Have you come to the point where you've given God everything? Have you truly come to the point where you've, you've laid your life and all that you are and all that you have before him and say, Lord, you choose. Do what you want. That I don't want to dictate my life. I want you to dictate my life. I don't want to be the center of my life. I want you to be the center of my life. I don't want to control my talent, my abilities, my money, my time, my energy, my whatever. Lord, I, I want to surrender them to you. Have you come to that point? Because do you realize that as a Christian, our life is one of surrender. Our life is one of abiding. Our life is one of dependence. And we are called to seek first him and his kingdom. We are called to make him the very center of our being. And if you remember, Jesus was asked, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? If you were to summarize the entirety of the Old Testament, how would you summarize it? And Jesus says, oh, I'll tell you what, this. Go crazy about God. Give him everything. Don't hold back. And so if I may encourage you, we're talking in this series about this idea of soul drift. Do you realize most of us have drifted somehow from this? That we may give God a piece of our life, but we really struggle giving him the totality of our life. Okay, God, God you, you can have my will, but I want my emotions. 
Well, Lord, you've given me talent. So surely I, you want me to use my talent for you. Do you know what he actually wants? He wants all of you. And yes, he may have given you talent. And yes, he's given you a personality. And yes, yes, he has given you weird quirks. Because if you think you don't have weird quirks, you're the, you're the weirdest one in this room. <laughs> Eric. Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> but do you, do you realize that yes, he may have given you things. He may have given you strength. He may have given you a sharp intellectual mind. But all of that must be submitted under the reality of Christ. That though he may have given it to you, would you give it back to him? And say, whether you use my talent or don't use my talent, I trust you. Whether you want to use my ability or don't use my ability, I trust you. You realize that he doesn't need your talent. He doesn't need your ability. Jesus says he could, he could take the, you remember this whole story? He's on the Mount of Olives and the, the religious leaders are getting frustrated that everyone's crying out Hosanna and worshiping. And Jesus says, if they're quiet, even the rocks will cry out. That God can even take the rocks and make them sound better than the sons of Abraham. I mean, he doesn't need us. He has angels at his beck and call. But he does want us. But the reality is, is he doesn't need your talent. He may have given you talent, but he doesn't need your talent. What he needs is for you to submit your talent to him. And say, Lord, use this however you want to. And if that means I never do whatever it is my talent, I trust you. And if you allow me to do whatever my talent is, I trust you. Lord, here's my money. If you want to use my money and just spend my money all over the place, I trust you. Lord, Lord, if, if you want to take my energy, and if you want to take my time, if you want to take my giftings, if you want to take my emotions, if you want to take... I think we as a Christian culture have taken the command to, to be obsessed and to love God with everything. And we've tried to peace it out, saying, all right, I'll give God this. I'm keeping this. One for him, one for me, one for him, two for me, one for him, right? But do you realize that he wants everything? Is it possible for your life to be from him and through him and to him for his glory? But that would require you to come in a heart of consecration, a heart of surrender that says, Lord, here I am. And what would it look like in your life if you had a burn, a covenantal, voluntary, but passionate love for God in every area of your life that you weren't holding back? You were all in. You were aggressive in your pursuit of him. You were obsessed in your love for him. By the way, if you found someone who lived like this, do you know what you would have to call them? I think we would have to call him a Christian, wouldn't we? Are you really a Christian? Are you really pursuing? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I, maybe this is for nobody else in the room, but Lord, you have called us to an exclusivity of devotion. A, a total, overwhelming commitment unto you. And Lord, the sad reality is, is that we, we as the body of Christ have gotten so distracted and so allured by the things of the world that 
that though we give you lip service and we say, ah, I love Jesus, and wow, he has all, he has all my heart. The reality is the Lord that we have drifted from that reality. The, the reality is we, we, are, we are not content just to be obsessed with you. Lord, somehow we have, we have allowed our souls, our lives to, to, yeah, still proclaim you, but still do our own thing. So Lord, what would it look like if we came humbly before you? What would it look like if we saw ourselves in light of the cross and just realized our overwhelming desperate need for you and cried out and said, Lord, I, I genuinely want to love you with everything that I have, everything that I am, my inner being, my outer being, my resource, everything in my life, Lord, I want to surrender, surrender to you. Well, Lord, how would that change how we interact throughout the day? How would that change how we spend money? How, how would that change how we interacted with the people around us? How, how would that change our inner attitude and thought process? And Lord, could you so stir our hearts that we would willingly, covenantally, voluntarily, passionately give you everything? So Lord, would you be our God alone? And may we love you with all. Without hindrance, without, res without a uh, restriction, without a but. Lord, will you just have it all? And so, Lord, I just myself just want to say, have everything have my inner life, have the totality of my life, and all that I am and all that I have, Lord, I, I want you, I want you to be in control. And I want to love you with everything. And may I steward that which you have given me well. Lord, we love you. We do. I just give you all the praise and the glory in your precious, powerful name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.